Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. Hello once again and welcome to Backspin. I'm Steve Anderson. Sitting to my left, as per usual, is Larry Canning. G'day, Larry. G'day, Steve. G'day, listeners. How are we all? Well, I'm very well. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic. Yeah, how are you you hitting them all right? I'm hitting them quite nicely. Mm -hmm. A little bit of draw, Steve. You're playing any tournaments on the uh, on the tour? I'm thinking of it, yes. Mm. On the old, r- really old blokes tour. The the legends. I'm now a senior member of the senior tour. Yeah. The yeah. legends, as we call it, yes. The yeah. uh, Easy Go Legends Tour. Good bunch of blokes. Uh, I, I've been around those tournaments when you've been playing, and they love you, don't they? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> they sure. They do love you. You reckon they do? They do. I know there's, a, some, there's a couple that don't. Yeah. But most of them, yeah, yes. We get cares about well. them? Yeah. 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 Silly old things they are. They get silly and old, you know. But there's really good players out there. Coming up today, uh, you have uh, a couple of lovely-looking golf clubs in the uh, in the Backspin studio here, and uh, you're going to talk about them. They are new ones from Ping. Yeah, the Ping 410 Plus, G410 Plus, Steve. Yeah. There's so we the spoke about the G4 last G400. year, G400. This yeah. is the G410. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's uh, yeah, some, some changes. Yeah. Um, Fairly substantial changes to okay. it too. Yeah, they've improved it. Great looking. Golf I had a hit clubs. with them. You did. I, I have had a hit with beautiful things. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to explaining as best I can how good these are on the tour. Did you hit them on the tour. I or didn't would hit you them hit on the them? Tour. No. no. Or would I? Yeah. I probably would. Yeah. If, you could um, do. I don't know whether Strixon would be all that no, excited. Strixon would. No, they wouldn't be excited about that <laughs> at all, and rightly so. Uh, you've got a tip for us as well. Yeah, it relates to the driver, Stephen. Mm-hmm. It usually does, doesn't it? It's the way I work. Mm-hmm. I knit things together. I keep the show together, Stephen. Excellent. You keep it on the straight and narrow. Absolute. And moving along and spit. You're going to spit about something too. Yeah. Oh, and this is actually a re-spit. I can always tell whether it's going to be a big spit or not because as soon as I say you're going to spit about something, the look on your face yeah. reveals all. It's like a window to your soul straight away. <laughs> oh, God. soul's not looking too good. And what a black soul that is today. What a dreadful looking soul. Anyhow, uh, Larry spit coming up later in Backspin. Of course, Backspin brought to you each and every time by our good friends at Inside Golf Magazine. Gee, it's a good magazine. And what about the website, insidegolf.com.au? Is there any golf website in the world that has as much information as that one? It is jam-packed, Steve, isn't it? For every level of golfer. Even non-golfers would love it. Well, they do. They do love it. Not would. They actually do. You're right. Talking to a couple the other day who said they absolutely love it. Chockers with the good stuff, insidegolf.com.au. And of course, you can pick up a copy, a printed copy of Inside Golf at uh, most golf clubs around yep. Australia. Yeah, and golf ranges. It's pretty popular. It's fair income. I'm not making this up. It goes really quickly. You know, the little stand in the club, if you see one in there and think, oh, I'll grab it tomorrow, don't. Grab it today. Yeah, because it won't be there tomorrow. Do it now. That's the uh, that's the tip. That's all coming up. And we're also going to talk with a, a mate of ours, uh, Mike Mosher from uh, Teed Up Golf Tours. Mosh has um, one of the best gigs going around because he, he goes to the Masters every year, doesn't he? He's, he's been, been, been going for years and years and years. Um, and he's seen some of the greatest victories of all time. He's, he's been there. He saw Adam Scott. He's, now he's been there and seen... Oh, well, he saw Tiger this Tiger year. Tiger Woods, my yeah. God, coming back and winning his 15th major. Fantastic. Wow. And we know Mosh loves Tiger. I, I yeah, don't know whether there's anyone that, that loves Tiger more. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Just, you know, borderline Mosh. Stop talking about it for a while. Mm. Anyhow, he'll probably talk about the Tiger as well because he loves him so much. But, yeah, Mosh was there this year. So it'll be interesting to hear some of his experiences at, at uh, Augusta over the years because he's been going 
been there for about I don't know twenty years That's or something. It is something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck to him as well. We don't uh, we don't envy him in any Not way, shape, all. or form. No, no, no. We no. put that aside. All we envy do, aside, we, we really thing. enjoy. Yeah. Listening to this bloody bloke every year. Now you know, we like we like him when he comes back and tells us about the Masters. Heath Wilson, the general manager, is coming up as well, and a very interesting story about the merger of two golf clubs in Victoria. Um, this that, is groundbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, that have become one club. Peninsula and Kingswood have mm. become Peninsula Kingswood. It's yep. a really interesting story. It's a fascinating story. Bit, bit controversial yes, in the world there's of golf. A, there's a bit, a, bit, a bit of controversy about it. And there would have been a lot of people that wouldn't have, members at, at the uh, Kingswood Club that wouldn't have voted for it. You know, the, the old diehards that want to stay where they are. And you can't blame them. They've probably grown up on their golf course. It's, it was 105 years old, Steve, mm. when, it, when they closed it, when they finished with it and sold it and moved on to the, uh, to the Peninsula site, which is now magnificent. Well, they've, they've invested, we're going to find out more from, from Heath Wilson, the general manager, yep. but uh, they've invested millions, tens of tens millions of, of millions, dollars yeah, yeah. into it. We'll find out more about the Peninsula Kingswood story in this episode of Inside Golf. You look excited now, Larry. And it's backspin in Inside Golf, Stephen. Yeah, I am excited, that, yes. W- that window to your black soul has been slammed Is it shut. Is a bit? It's a bit red? Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> That's my face. <laughs> Code red. I don't know why it's red. Code, code, red, red. On, code red on Larry's soul Does at the moment. Does it something to do with how I've treated it over the years, I've possibly? No, no idea either. Yeah. This is all coming up in Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. The Backspin interview, thanks to Inside Golf. Larry, I don't know whether there are many people in Australia who have been to the Masters as many times as the bloke we're about to talk to, and we hate him for that, don't we? We don't uh, like him much at all. There's nothing much, really. I'm trying to think of something I like about him, but uh, not, not now. But yeah. it's an event that keeps drawing him back year after year and has done so for the past 20 years. We talk, of course, of Mike Mosher from Teed Up Golf Tours, who was there this year to see uh, the Tiger in action and a lot of lot of great players in action but particularly uh, the ultimate champion Tiger Woods. Mosh, hello to you. G'day boys, great to be with you. Mate, uh, there's so many things I want to ask about particularly the Sunday at Augusta that you were just there. I mean, can you can you talk, can you somehow condense it into, into, a, into a sentence, how you felt watching Tiger, the greatest player in my opinion of all time, winning one of the greatest events of all time and breaking this, um, was it 11 year drought of, uh, of majors? Just talk us through that just briefly, and then we'll ask you in-depth questions. It's hard to explain what, what it's like. You know, a Sunday afternoon at Augusta is always special, but this was something different. I've never seen a, an event like it ever in my life, and it's one thing Augusta does is throws up some unbelievable finishes and some exciting, you know, last rounds. Being Tiger Woods, coming down that stretch, coming down, we're probably more like with five or six holes to go, in the lead. The atmosphere, the people, the, the patrons as they're called there, we call them spectators and fans here in Australia. What was the vibe? How was it? It was exciting from the start when, when Tiger was in it with a chance, and after nine holes it, it seemed like it was a bit flat, but but it doesn't take long at Augusta for that electricity to fire up. Mm. And I say to my group in a, in a function before we get there that words can't describe what it's like when it's finished. It's hard to, it's hard to describe. It's, it's amazing. Mate, there's only one thing you love more than going to Augusta, and that's Tiger Woods himself. You are his number one fan in Australia, are you not? Yes, I have a special, special. feeling for Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> well, please don't elaborate on I, it. I, I knew that from looking at your Facebook page, but <laughs> you're not alone, mate. When you get to the Masters, it is incredible. Well, I, I like to look at the crowd in the background uh, on TV. I'm talking about you being there, but me on TV watching. But the crowd support for Tiger is just 
amazing. You know, I think it's mostly America-wide. I think the haters are going away, creeping away. It's not that long ago when he was very, very naughty, wasn't he? And a lot of people disliked him. He had to defend himself and make, make apologies, public apologies for what he was doing. A lot of people were hurt. Sponsors were jumping off him. And it's just, it's just on a complete turnaround, isn't it? I've spoken to a, a lot of Americans over the last few weeks about him and I think a lot of them have said he's done his time. We, we, you know, he looks like he's a different person and, and most people are prepared to give him a shot. And he looks good, like physically? Unbelievable. Still, he's, he's got a little over 40-year-old gut like you and I have, Larry. Oh, but, no, but, not like, well, not like I have. He's got a bit of work you, to do. If you've seen his workout routine, it's pretty strong. So, no, look, the, the presence is still there. The, the presence is what it was. In 2000 right now. How did uh, being there for this victory compare to other experiences you've had at Augusta over those 20 years you've been going? In my opinion, it was the best ever for, that I've seen. Um, of course, 2013 when we were there with Adam Scott and we walked every hole with him and every shot with him on the Sunday, it was amazing. But the scenes on the ground uh, aren't the same. When Tiger wins or even Phil wins, the scenes on the inside the grounds are, you know, incredible. And so I think that the year that Tiger hold that chip on 16, my group, we were all planted down on 15, 16. I had some guys of mine that were sitting on the back of 16th green, but that was only for sort of a, a few moments too, and, you know, but this was for a few hours. The atmosphere was crazy. And the 12th hole, Mike, tell us about the 12th. It, it looks evil. I mean, it's it's 157, 140-odd metres. We could throw some little short on on there, surely, couldn't we? And, but yeah, no, but it's, it looks like it's the hardest par three in the world. Tell us about it. I agree with that, Larry. I mean, they're hitting, you know, full nine-irons or eight-irons in there, and it, it doesn't look on paper that hard. I will say on Sunday, the su- last Sunday, it was windy. It was hard to see on TV. You can't really tell, but in the grounds and out up the top of the grounds, up on the first and the 18th green, it was windy. I just think that it... it the wind moves around so much. But again, look at what Tiger did. Tiger just pumped it in the middle and yep. all those other guys were going for it. So it was a different Tiger. I thought it was a much better Tiger. He does what he needs to do to win, doesn't he? I mean, we're talking now current tense because yep. you know it's been so long, but just me watching it on TV, I just seemed to th- get the feeling that this guy, it was calm, it was organised, he knows the course better than anyone, literally anyone that, that, yep. that, uh, that played in that week. But his distance control and his decision-making was flawless. Yeah, the calmness of the guy, mate. So, you know, we're all wondering whether he could... Well, I was never wondering, and you probably weren't either. A lot of people were wondering whether he could win a major because he had a few chances last year, a couple of, couple of massive chances, yeah. and didn't get across the line. There was doubt. Wow, does he, has he lost that ability to, to play under that sort of pressure? But uh, the yeah. way he played that last nine holes, that was just like uh, you and me playing for a lot, Kino ticket, wasn't it? <laughs> well, the future's bright. I think if you look at the upcoming majors, uh, um, he's a massive chance to you know add a couple more, I think, and get real close to Jack's record. Oh, I agree. Mosh, thanks once again. Thank you for being there for us so that you can report for us. It's been one of the... Gee, the crowds are incredible, mate. Just the yeah. number of people are staggering. We spoke to you about the uh, the Ryder Cup because you're over there for that mm. this year as well. The same thing, the crowds were amazing, but the crowds at, at Augusta are just incredible. Do, do they actually close the, the, the gate? Is, you can't buy tickets. Can you buy tickets there, Michael? It's hard to buy tickets. You, you've, got to, you've got to be in the right... Um, connections to buy yeah. tickets. They don't close the gates, and they don't. They don't tell us how many are there. No oh, one, okay. I'll become a historian about all the little facts. They won't tell us um, what type of machines they use on the greens. They <laughs> really? won't. Tell, they won't tell you what height the greens are cut at. They won't tell you how many green staff are there. They won't tell you what the the. Um, the but but I will tell you, Sunday's the smallest crowd of the whole week. Oh, okay. 
But they all funnel they all funnel into those areas eleven, twelve, fifteen, sixteen and eighteen. Apart yeah. from that, you can walk you can walk around. The tradition at Augusta is that everyone goes every year and they all sit in the front and there's a there's a bit of um, a camaraderie amongst all the guys in the stands and they're in the same seats they've been in for twenty years and it's you know, hey, where's that Aussie guy? Oh, I'm down here, how are you boss? You know, there's a bit of um, you know, chit chat amongst the guys waiting for the players. Mate, what's uh, up next for... We've we got to get uh, let you get a little plug-in here for teed-up golf tours, but what's up next for you? For me, it's the US Open at Pebble Beach. We've got a group, a tax group there, and then Band in Dunes, and, and then we've, we do the Rugby World Cup and a bit of golf in Japan. We sort of are trying to combine some golf tours with other sports, so... You know, we do Super Bowl, Kentucky Derby, Monaco okay, Grand okay. Prix. You know, Ashes. We'll do the Ashes in the British Open this year in Ireland. You can find all those details on teedupgolftours dot com. And you go to all those, don't you? Not all of them. I, no, not, I, my liver would survive those. I'm just wondering if you had a home. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of homes. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Enjoy it. Thank you for your time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, mate. Yeah, happy happy to talk to the US Open boys. Thanks, yeah. mate. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. This is Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Uh, pick up a copy at your golf club or check out insidegolf.com.au. Larry Ping, uh, always always investing money in research and development to make uh, their golf clubs better and better. And uh, they've done that with, uh, we, we spoke about the G400 last year, driver. Yep, we did. The G410 has hit the uh, hit the decks. Yes, and they don't release a club uh, as regularly as some other companies do, Steve. So we know when they do make a new release, they've spent a lot of time on that R&D, as you mentioned. And I believe that they don't. They don't also don't spend as much on marketing, uh, you know, and, and promoting advertising as some of the other companies do. So they rely on their product, and for good reason. It is a beautiful product. It's been as good a, as good a product on the market as any other since they first came out in the nineteen seventies when they first created the ping putter, the very first putter mm-hmm. that had um, cavity back in the in the, in the back, yeah, which allowed you to miss it. Was big news, wasn't it? It was huge back then. Yeah. So they are innovators uh, when it comes to technology, and this is no different. This is the Ping G10 410 driver, as we said. There are two models, Steve, G410 Plus and the G410 SFT, which is straight flight technology, which is um, basically to stop your slicing. But I found, I hit the G410 Plus, and I found um, that it was, it. I, I could actually dial in my flight. Now, they haven't had much adjustability of late, Ping drivers, but they've done it with this one. And I don't think I've seen weight that can be moved around as far. Now, I'm holding this driver in my hand, Steve. You yep. can see it there. And if you look at the back, for a start, it's sexy, isn't it? Have a look at the beautiful finish, matte black, matte finish, sort it's of dark especially, especially sexy in your hands, Larry. I reckon I could have, if I, if I had a car in that, in that sort it's of It's a finish. combination of sexiness, you and that club, that's really hard to beat. Yeah, we look good together? You do look very good together. Shh, Rick's and my dear. Anyway, look, this is... Um, Not that good. No. Don't worry. <laughs> the the adjustability is a lot more than they've had. And and the the, the bar in the back at sixteen grams, Steve. That's pretty. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. And that makes a significant uh, difference to the ball flight, and it can be moved a long distance. You can see how far that can go from heel to toe. Yeah. But that, that's moving by moving that that little weight. You're mm-hmm. moving the the center of gravity of the club. Is Correct. That right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You are. And 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 when you move it in towards the heel, it makes the heel just slow down a little bit and the toe speed up. Yeah. So it makes you draw the ball. 
And when you move it to the toe, the opposite happens. It makes the toe a little heavier and it opens the face up and prevents you from hooking. One of the things I was going to make from, from looking at the club and doing a bit of reading about it, one of the comments I was going to make was, I suppose you'd call it tuning. So mm-hmm. it, it gives the player, the average player, the ability to tune that drive. It's not just the driver, you, you pick it up mm-hmm. and you hit it. If you pick it up and hit it and something's not quite right, you have the ability to tune it to what you're doing when you stand on the tee. Exactly, yeah. You Make can, adjustments to it. You can enhance your ball flight if you want to enhance your draw. You can stop the ball, not stop, but you can minimise the amount of side spin, the unwanted side spin by, by moving the, the weight around. Also, the neck uh, has an adjustable neck in it as well, it, which can be made upright. It can be made flat, which is this this angle. When you put the, the club on the ground, the shaft lowers or the shaft gets higher. Uh, and also you can turn the face in and out, open and close the face. Oh, the fascinating part I found when I was hitting it, um, a lot of drivers, Steve, particularly of, of the recent ones, have the, the, the club sitting very upright on the ground. So the toe of the club is sitting way off the ground, a bit mm. like I'm doing there. And, and the listeners can look and see what I'm doing. Um, this, they can do that, can't they, Steve? No, they can't, Larry. We've been through this before. No, they can't. I keep forgetting. Andrew Buncey, Buncey the button pusher, he's over there. Having Can't a good it, old chuckle to himself because okay. he can see it, but he knows he knows just as well as I do, and he knows just as well as you do that the the listeners can't see it. So I've got to paint the picture verbally. Theatre of the mind. Okay. Well, Steve, the, the uprightness of the the recent models of drivers tend to make the ball go left now, which is which is okay for a lot of people because a lot of people slice. In fact, most people slice. But the problem with an upright golf club, to me and I like to draw the ball, is that it starts the ball to the left for me. I don't want the ball to start left and draw. I want it to start to the right and draw. So you, if you close the face in, okay, again, mm. it won't it won't slice as much, but it starts left. And if you are a, a person that swings the club a little to the right with an open face, then that's perfect. You shut the face in, get the, the club upright. Most of us aren't. If you slice the ball, generally you start it to the left. So what I found with this driver was I could lower the the the, uh, the lie mm. um, three degrees, which is a lot more than I've seen on any other drivers, which makes the club sit almost flat on the ground. Yeah. Lovely, beautiful. Um, but if I move the weight on the back, the 16-gram weight towards the toe, sorry, towards the heel, sorry, I can start the ball where I want it started and it will draw because of the weight. Mm. I found this fascinating. It really did work. It, took, you know, it takes me a little bit to warm up these days because I'm a bit old, but towards the end... I was hitting exactly the flight I wanted without changing anything in my swing. Yeah, but the thing is, for someone who hits the golf ball like you, that that all sounds you know ideal. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. But mm. for someone who's not such a you know, I mean, what are you playing off these days? Minus uh, six, eight? No, no, I don't play off anything. Just Steve. I don't. I just. I, I disregard. I throw handicaps in the bin. <laughs> but someone who is, I don't know, you a B grade, yeah, your yeah, average yeah. B grader, it, it is. It, it does give them. Uh, the potential to improve their game by having that adjustability. It can be a little daunting as well, Steve, and this is, this is going to come into my tip I'll talk about a bit later. Yeah, okay. You need to know what you're doing with these things. As soon as you bring adjustability in, you've got to know how to do it. Uh, you can either research it yourself or ask your PGA professional yeah. about it, your pin club fitter, that they know. And yeah. they, can, they can fix it in seconds. They can see it straight away. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's a great-looking club. Beautiful. Give it a crack. Oh, I love the look of it. Yeah, the tubulators on the top, Steve, as we, I don't know whether I mentioned those. That's the Because clubs are so big these days, uh, they're working out ways to put um, patterns on top of the face and the sole 
to allow the club to pass through the air without as much resistance, so it goes quicker. I was hitting it further. It's as good a drive as I've hit for a long, long time, this one. The, the internal dragonfly technology was the thing that won me. They've got a little, got a little <laughs> dragonfly a little in there. Inside, yeah. you can hear it it's buzzing around yeah. in there. Yeah. What, it's, what the hell is that? It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, I'll tell you what it is, Steve. It's a complex exoskeleton. Okay. So oh, did, did it, that it's sound a like weight, I just read yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weight oh. saving mechanism. So it does. It's not a real dragonfly. Real, it just looks like a dragonfly. No, it doesn't. It's not real, Stephen. Yeah, you're being silly. It, it, it's uh, it's the way um, the internal design. It just it means that it's reinforced in certain areas, and they've moved weight around. And they can thin it down in other places yeah. and thicken it in others. Quite an incredible club. It's the new Ping G410. G410 Plus and the Ping G410 SFT. I didn't hit this, Steve, but it, I reckon you know I, I got enough anti-slice out of the other one. But this, the, the SFT straight flight ball technology is, is about stopping the slice. So that, I reckon, is, you, you cannot slice, I wouldn't think, with that. It'd be impossible, Stephen. Something brand new from Ping. Check it out. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Steve, we actually have the CEO of Peninsula Kingswood Country Golf Club on the line right now. Heath Wilson, thank you and welcome to Backspin. Thank you for having me. A pleasure, mate. Tell us a little bit about the history because we're, we're talking when we talk historically about Peninsula Kingswood, we're talking historically about two different golf clubs, aren't we? Yeah, we certainly are. Obviously, Kingswood was up in Dingley and Peninsula was down in Frankston. And so, Heath, what, 20 minutes drive? 20 minutes, yeah, about 20 minutes drive, yep. depending on what time we do. It can be 40 minutes, but normally a 20-minute drive between, between the two clubs it was. And, um, yeah, they're both very strong, uh, good clubs, really, you know. Uh, Peninsula is obviously part of the Sandbelt Group and Kingswood, I Call it was probably in that level tier two clubs and we were a great golf course, but um, yeah, both clubs sort of had similar thoughts and similar uh, minds to the future, and uh, here we are today, really, basically. What was the the clincher? Why did the conversation begin between the two clubs about a, a merging? Conversation happened between Gary Richardson, who was the GM at the time of Peninsula, and myself at a conference probably in about 2012 in uh, at Hillsville and uh, Long Island and Peninsula were actually looking at doing something together at about that time and, and Kingswood, we'd, it's quite uh, ironic that Kingswood and we had a, a little workshop down at Peninsula and stayed the night, I got the board, my management team down there first and then we got our board down there a couple of months later and then we just came up with the concept of Kingswood that we probably needed to look at you know, 10 years out of where we'll be and what we wanted to do, we realised that we were sitting on probably pretty valuable land. We could see the landscape of the golf industry was going down. And in membership-wise, we just couldn't hold our membership numbers. We were probably losing 100 a year and picking up 80 a year, 70 a year. And, you know, you do the maths on that over a 10 or 12-year period, it wasn't great. Peninsula probably were, uh, had, you know, two golf courses and a... And a, and a probably a business that wasn't really going, you know, strongly with the accommodation. There was 44 rooms and there was a lot of, um, you know, expense to have those rooms open. So both clubs have a similar mindset that they needed to protect themselves in the future. And we basically just had a conversation that night, Gary and I, and then we got a few of our executives together and had more conversations. And, and then that moved pretty quickly, really. We probably started talking seriously in about... January or February in 2013 and by September we'd uh, had our votes on both separate clubs to, to merge and then in about October or November that year we changed the name of the club and the constitution of the club and 
from there it was it, it happened. So having been in the golf industry, me, for, for most of my adult life, which some say hasn't actually started yet, but I, it, <laughs> technically it's 40 years, to get a club, to get a membership of a club like a Kingswood Golf Club, a, a beautiful golf course, private golf club, and a successful one, to think 10 years ahead and make that decision, the vote when that took place, that would have been a fascinating night. Tell us about that. Well, it was a fascinating, I'd say, six weeks. It was Six or eight weeks, maybe two months. My memory's shaded by now after the last few years. I reckon it would be. So, you know, we I remember our first meeting we had, we called it Information Night, we had 100 people at it because I don't think too many members thought we were really serious about what we wanted to do. And then the next one we would have had three, 400. The next one we probably had five or 600 people. It was pretty vocal. I mean, a lot of people were losing their backyard or mm, I would say a lot of our mm, members yep. lived on the golf course. A lot of members lived in Dingley, a lot of members lived not far away, but, you know, we we just put the facts out there and, and the and the um, the members really voted for themselves. You know, the facts were that we could be probably what we were going to become now, but we had mm. to move sites and um, it was a decision we didn't, you know, we didn't want to do, as we said, we would have yeah. loved to have stayed there for the rest of our lives, but, you know, my boss at the time and who was a really big mover of the merger, Peter Sweeney, you know, former Australian amateur oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. had houses around the golf course. Him, him and I were obviously um, worked hand in hand with this. And he's always said that the saying that we've got to leave something for the children, you know, mm. and his children are members. And, you know, that was one of the things that we were fine with. A lot of, you know, the false rumours out there that we were broke and we are going down the tubes and we weren't. We didn't have any debt at all. We, we, we just had a couple of losses in those years we were looking at moving and um, you know they were probably our only losses that we'd had in a long time but a membership base and the whole area of all the clubs around us was just a you know there was no joining fees basically there was there was nothing that you know we had to do a lot we you know worked out how much capex we had to do in the next probably five to eight years on the course for irrigation systems clubhouses you know doing the clubhouse up doing the ladies area up the kitchens and everything and you know, we just gave, we had PwC do all our um, figures and, and show what we, you know, what, what we would have to spend. And, you know, we we did that really well. I think we, that's what we've done pretty well. We did really well, not pretty well, but we, we you know, had PwC and a lot of big consultants. But, you know, some money to do it, but we had the facts and, and members really liked, I think, having the facts in front of them to vote on. Something that I found really interesting, Heath, about Peninsula Kingswood is that this merger, so we're talking, what, uh, six years ago now, uh, or almost six years ago, this was the first merger of two golf clubs in Australia. Have there been any since that have uh, obviously happened as successfully as yours? Obviously, the National have taken over Long Island. I don't think that's a merger. That was more of a takeover. Mm, So the National are obviously building their... their, uh, you know, the membership with that, which is good. Waverley and Churchill Park have, have come to an agreement. Um, have, they're sort of merged together. I think that is to sell Waverley, Waverley off and then go to Churchill Park. Uh, that, that's happened. There's been uh, two or three, maybe four others that have tried the last four or five years and, and it hasn't unfortunately been successful. I think it'll happen more. I think it's just got to be the right fit and we were quite lucky. We always said that we wanted to be at the front of the bus, driving the bus. And I don't know if you read the article in the Golf, uh, Golf Digest the other day. Of the editor said that you know 
we we took we took the future in our hands and and luckily now we've you know we've done that and um yeah but a lot of a few clubs have i won't mention who they are but they, they have tried and Unfortunately, it hasn't come off for them. Yeah, that eye to the future is a really interesting part of it, the fact that people are looking well, and uh, people like yourself are looking well and truly down the fact, not only uh, down the track, not only for your own clubs, but also for the future of the game of golf in Australia as well. And the merger gave you an opportunity to really create a, a first-class private club that, that, that you know offers the best in, in Sandbelt golf. You've got state-of-the-art facilities, financial security as well. So you are now, at this point, in time, or as of September last year, operating solely at, at Frankston. Yeah, we moved out of the Kingswood, um, uh, out of there late last year, probably fully in September last year, but we still had um, 18 holes and um, open until about November last year, and now we're at the at the one site, so all the members are all the one site, and it's been, it's been a great transition into that. The clubhouse opened, I think... Off the top of my head, I think it opened about in in October last year. Um, uh, the the full thirty six holes will be opened on May the twenty sixth. We've actually got our grand opening happening on May the twenty sixth. With the honorary Daniel Andrews is actually going to open it for us on that day. Um, we've got you know we've got a little shootout match around some holes around the clubhouse with Jeff Ogilvie and Marcus Fraser and and uh, some of our pros and some of our club championship champions last year which would be a good day for the club yeah but it, it, it all happened yeah, quite quickly and we we what we've built we've been probably criticised of what we've built we have spent a lot of money and we don't hide behind that we've we've spent 60 you know probably nearly 68 million dollars on who's criticising the clubhouses and who's criticising what you built Heath? who would be doing that oh uh, there's, there's a lot of people the, the old diehard uh, a lot of people in the industry, I don't think, uh, yeah. that happy what we've done, and we're we're not really, you know, we knew we upset a lot of people what we've done in in lots of aspects in people's lives and in people's where mm-hmm. they go, and you know, we 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 acknowledge that, but we want to we think what we've built and what we've we can offer members like with the gym and the pool and um, you know the gym and the pool we got heavily criticised by our oh, own members. God. No one would use it. Yeah, you know, yeah. The last two months, it's two thousand nineteen, isn't it? For we're God's averaging sake, probably two or three hundred people a week mm. in the pool and gym. Um, the members love it. It's no extra cost for them. Um, we're they were about to build our tennis court and bowls area down in so we call that sort of the sporting area, sporting precinct area of the club. Um, we've we've got big you know big decks and big um, rooms for our members. Uh, the you know, everyone who's come down to see the clubhouse has been blown away, and, and now obviously we're getting recognition on the courses, which is which is great because there's been a lot of hard work by a lot of people to, to get it to that stage. The golf course. Let's talk about that for a second. We're running a little short of time, but the the, the Sandbelt is um, the most famous group of golf courses Australia has, uh, where you can be from any state, and and if you're a golfer, you would understand that. The Sandbelt is uh, is is famous in, in the world of golf. This golf course, from what I'm hearing, it's got rave reviews from some of the, the the best players in the country. That it is almost the epitome of a Sandbelt golf course. It, it's nearly as, as more Sandbelt than the Royal Melbourne and the Kingston Heaths that I'm hearing. Heath, this is extraordinary claims, but from all reports, <laughs> it is sensational, and it's, yeah, ca- it's it's just captured and expanded on. What what sandbelt golf courses are all about? Yeah, they're they're big calls, and you know when 
we've always said the Royal Melbourne of like, you know they're going to have the history, they're going to have everything. Same Kingston, mate. They're wonderful golf courses. They're wonderful clubs, but um, we're the, the two courses, our south and north, are so totally different. Um, what OCCM and particularly Michael Cocking has done with those golf courses is just yeah, it's astonishing. Mm. Um, the south courses, you know, they created creeks, they've created all these beautiful areas, and the north course is just. You know, I've been. I was told by a lot of people, wait till we get into the North Course, and yeah, everyone who's played the North Course, and I actually played for myself for the first time on Friday, last Friday. It is just an amazing. It's, it's, apart from the golf course and apart from the beautiful sandbelt bunkering and the and the beautiful fairways and everything, the views that they've opened up mm-hmm. in the bay and yeah. and then through holes is just. It's yeah, you know, it needs to be seen to be believed. It's just. It's, it's a great achievement, and Michael and his team, and, and make especially Glenn Stewart, my superintendent, and all his team have done. You know, it's four years of work, and, and it's an amazing thing. And yeah, you know, it is blowing people away. I won't hide behind that. It definitely is. Now, Heath, obviously, you've done what you've created here, and it's a really interesting story. It, it, it is potentially a, a template for the future for a lot of different golfing organisations or clubs around Australia, not necessarily on, on the scale that you've gone uh, into it with Peninsula Kingswood, but uh, certainly ways of, of looking at how things can be done in the future. But in your particular instance with Peninsula Kingswood, if people want to find out more about golf at uh, Peninsula Kingswood, how can they get some more information? Yeah, they can just contact contact us through our website, um, peninsulakingswood.com.au or bring any, any of our friendly staff at, 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 the, at the club and um, we, we're happy to... We've still got memberships open. We've had a fair few people join just this month, about 30. We have three or four intakes a year and accommodation and stay and play um, areas are really starting to get busy now so um, people can just ring up the club and try and book in because... Really, that's basically the only interstate and international people. That's really the only way they can play there or stay there if they're not reciprocal anyway. So that's a good way of getting in and playing and staying. And you know, accommodation really five star. We've just finished our ten remote accommodation units, which are on the course, which all got your own cart, and you get the cart while you stay. Oh, and really, the creek in front of it. And okay, it's beautiful and eight rooms inside the clubhouse. Yeah, it's so everything, isn't it? Want that? It's so. the destination, Steve. Let's go. Let's go. We're on the plane, Heath. <laughs> we'll see you soon, mate. Listen, thank yeah, you very much for your for your time. It's a great story, and uh, good luck for the future with it. I think you're going to uh, you're going to go gangbusters by the sound of it, Larry. What do you think? Oh, it's it, it sounds and looks sensational. Too many great things have been said about this golf course and this facility that uh, we have to go. That uh, web address again is www.peninsulakingswood.com.au. Heath Wilson, thank you for your time. Thanks, Heath. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf with Steve Anderson and Larry Canning. Larry, you alluded to your tip when you were talking about the new Ping G410 and G410+. Plus. But what's it all about? I gave it a lot of allude, didn't I? Well, there was a fair bit of illusion there. Uh, it, it's Stephen. It's about the well. Let, for step one, point one, I'd like to make is how important driving the golf ball is, and it's often been overshadowed by we. Well, we know the short game is critical and important, putting and chipping. But uh, if you're putting for double bogeys, you know what's the point? Y- your drive is the thing that that starts off the hole. If you, if you can get it on the fairway and a fair distance down the fairway, then 
you're, you're one or two shots up already. Mm. So, it, and, and we saw it with Tigers driving in the Masters, those, particularly the last few holes. Beautiful drives. And every, everywhere he needed a perfect drive, he hit it. And that's possibly been the reason why he hasn't won the last couple of majors that he's been in contention with. And I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I saw him miss critical fairways at critical times. He didn't do that at Augusta. So get a driver that, that works for you. Um, and it sets up the hole. It also gives you confidence, mm. doesn't it, in the rest of your game. So uh, that's step one. Step two, get a driver fitted. Make sure you get it fitted and make sure you know the adjustments that you're making, like I did allude to, Yeah, like I alluded. So don't, you know, I, I was sort of alluding to um, uh, players buying a club like this and just doing it themselves. Don't do that. Well, it, yeah, it, I mean, you can it, do you it, can but it's if best you know a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've been in the, I've done this for forty years, so I, I've got a rough idea, a pretty good idea. Mm. I, I still would get it fine tuned by a club fitter just to make sure I've got the right adjustments. But someone who's, who's working, you know, five days a week in a job and, and, and gets his clubs out of the boot on Saturday to play, definitely, definitely won't know that enough to make the adjustments he needs to make. I mean, you, if you had a thousand golf balls on a range, you could eventually find it. But just ask your professional fitter. What should I do? What's my setting? This is my ball flight. And, and go back to him if it's not working. Say, look, it's still slicing a little bit, still hooking, it's starting left. Give him some information. Yeah. Don't give him all the symptoms. Don't just say, oh, I can't hit it. It goes too high or something. Yeah. You know, does it start high? Is it spinning? You know, you need all this information for the guy if he can't see you hit balls. But, you know, the best is for him to watch you hit a couple of shots with it. Mm. That's my tip, Stephen. And what a great tip it is. Let's move on to your spit. And finish up with that because, you know, the studio is normally fairly messy when you finished your spit, Larry. Is well, it's, it, it's funny, Steve. The, the, it's funny because I think I've done this before, this spit, and yeah. it is about spitting. Yeah, you have done it before. Well, well, I've just, it, I want to do it again because obviously Brooks Kepka missed the last show, one of the, one of the shows that oh, we, okay. we mentioned it in. Because Brooks was, he spitting was, in, oh. oh, they were, Disgraceful looking Actually, thing. Actually, I was watching the Masters with uh, my wife and she commented about uh, Brooks Kepka. I'd forgotten about that, about him spitting. Yeah. Mm. It, was, it wasn't so much a spit. If it look, a, a little spray of a little tiny glo- globule of, of uh, well, it was more phlegm of a, or something. A hoik, hoik, was well, it? Well, it was just, just dribbled, just fell out of his gob and you could hear it hitting, <laughs> hitting the grass. I don't know. And then the grass died. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. What are all those yellow hideous. spots? All over? The, the, they had the, the balloon, the zeppelin up there. There's all these <laughs> good little dead spots, yellow spots in the green. Yeah. That's where Brooks kept green kept running from. after, just, just, just filling them with sand and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it, the caddy actually fill his his, uh, his globules as well as his divots. Um, yeah, like, why, why Brooks? And he did it more than once. I I, I reckon I saw it three or four times. Does uh, he chew tobacco? or no, something? No, I didn't like, think no? that he did. <laughs> but even if he does, don't chew it. Or don't, yeah, don't you don't. can't do it, mate. That's Augusta. Yeah, that's the, that. That golf course is pristine. It's immaculate. Greenkeepers cut it with tweezers. Those fairways, and 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 it was on a tee. And he's just disregarding uh, that. He's disrespecting the game. He's he has no idea that there are millions of kids that want to be Brooks Kepka when they grow up. And if that's what Brooks Kepka does, that's what they'll do. It's not all about you, Brooks Kepka, all right? Fantastic player, great player, and I'm not. Look, he's really probably, he's probably player, a lovely bloke too. He comes across a little arrogant for me, but he, you know, he's, he, I might have got that wrong too. But definitely, Brooks, I, Brooks. I can't cop that. Keep mate. it in, keep it in your mouth, keep mate. It you'll in you'll your get to gob. the end of the mouth, you know, uh, the end of the round, and 
to his cheeks will be, they'll be, look like they're going to explode <laughs> because he's been listening to backspin and there'll he be, can't there'll spin. There'll be people sliding all over the bloody fairways after him, just slipping over on those things. Jason Day will come over and go, Brooks, what's it wrong, a, mate? One of them was a litre, I, I reckon, a litre and a half. It, it, and it, it, oh, God. Oh, here, well, okay, here's how we can fix it. We'll, we'll get a little jug, we'll buy a couple of plastic jugs. Spittoon. From Big W, and we'll get them branded with backspin on it. <laughs> and we can hang it off Brooks's. Golf bag. Well, everyone should. Everyone that spits should take one out in their buggy. Yeah. Like a bucket of sand, Steve. Have another yeah. bucket beside it, this little spittoon bucket. And he, his caddy can just, you know, as it fills up, you mm-hmm. know, you can watch while you're watching the round. Brooks's caddy's got this little mm. jug that we've provided. It's yep. got backspin on it. Yeah. And it's getting more and more full with whatever yeah. fluid it yeah. is. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes over to the bin. One of the teas. I think I'd go to the, I'd go, go to Portaloo. Go to Portaloo. Yeah, I wouldn't put it in a bin. Yeah. In fact, I think he'd struggle to get it out of that, well, he that, could that get, bucket. He could get Brooks to do it. It'd be like Harold died. That could be, you know, Brooks, if, if you're going to keep spinning, here's what we're going to do. You're going to have to take a jug with you, mm. little plastic jug, and you're going to have to empty it yourself. That's a fair call. Yeah, during the round. I'm hearing that. Good idea. You're a thinker, Larry. Yeah, no, it's, it's there. We're not alluding to anything with that particular spin. And a marketing opportunity, Stephen, as well, there. Great marketing opportunity. Let's get Buncey onto it straight away because he does all our shopping for us. <laughs> Bunnings, mate. Larry, thank you for that. Thank you, Stephen. We'll be back again to uh, talk some more golf in backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf in the very near future.